This morning, for the second and final week of this mini-series, we're titling this message, Breathe In, Breathe Out. Breathe in, breathe out. People of God, let's pause, as we often do, and let's breathe for a second. Let's allow the Lord to have the first word this morning, and let's make space and offer our hearts and our attention and our minds up to him. Come, Holy Spirit. Gracious God, we center ourselves this morning, and we align with the reality that we find in Psalm 23, that you are in fact our shepherd. You are not the God who leaves us in the wastelands or the desert, but you're the God who makes us lie down in green pastures. You're the God who leads us beside still and quiet waters. You are the God who restores our very soul. You are the God who leads us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And you walk with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup overflows. And you're the God who lets goodness and loving kindness follow us all the days of our lives and allow us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's you. It's who you are. So Lord, be our shepherd this morning. Be the shepherd of our souls. Be the shepherd of our lives. Be the shepherd who directs us and guides us and leads us according to your truth and your love and your grace and your kindness. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that this morning you would open up our minds, open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive your truth. Uh, And we commit ourselves to posturing before you um, in humility, in love, in obedience. And we commit ourselves to do everything that the Word has to say to us this morning. Uh, We offer up the entirety of our lives to you and thank you for your holy activity in our lives. I pray that you would provoke us this morning to new levels of kingdom life. Would you challenge us? And would you have your way in our lives this morning? We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Last week, we talked about rhythms, if you weren't here, as a mechanism for homecoming. As abstract as that sounds, we talked about how rhythms, when we engage in the spiritual disciplines and make them this rhythmic cycle in our lives of continually giving ourselves to the disciplines of prayer and scripture and fasting and all of these things, we position ourselves to live entirely in the love of God. Jesus says in John 15, abide in me. The message translation says, make yourselves at home in my love. And so we looked at rhythms as a means of homecoming, where we, ah, we come home, we walk in the front door, and we can be ourselves, and we can be vulnerable, and we can be honest, and we can live life with the Lord. And so as we develop these rhythms, 
They really posture ourselves uh, to live and be intentional with every facet of our lives. They posture us to live in intentionality uh, under the, the canopy of God's covenant love for us. And if you weren't here, check out the podcast. We record our podcast every week, uh, newlifechurch.org slash adults. Dig in, dive in, and share with us in the word via that podcast. But last week, I think the language of homecoming is helpful because so often in our lives, I think we can think of the spiritual disciplines as drudgery. (sighs) Okay, I got to work up enough strength and it's the new year, baby, and I'm going to make this resolution. I'm going to spend time in the word every day. I'm going to pray every day. God willing, help me. I'm going to fast once this year. Yikes, I hate fasting. That's my least favorite spiritual discipline. Some of you can relate, but you know, we, we see it as drudgery. We see it as this thing that we kind of got to muster up the strength to do, and then we give ourselves to it. But this language of homecoming, I think, sets the disciplines in their proper context and their proper place, because life with the Lord here is lived in his love. And we aren't to live this life kind of dragging our feet and white-knuckling it, waiting for the other side of eternity to come. But we are to live, and we're called, and we're invited even into this life that's lived in love with the Lord, in relationship, where there is a newness, where there is flow, where there is grace, where there is softness. And so uh, the, the disciplines really ought to be mechanisms that are life-giving and that bring joy to us because they align us and position us and posture our lives to live in that love that we were created for. We looked last week at this Trinitarian love, the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, the Holy Spirit acting as the lasso of love with them and then extending and inviting us into this. This is the relationship that we are called to and this is why rhythms and spiritual disciplines are such a beautiful expression of life with the Lord, posturing the entirety of ourselves to him. But there's another way uh, that I think is helpful in explaining rhythms, and we're going we're gonna to chase this thought and this metaphor uh, this morning, and that is this. That's sacred rhythms as the breath of the spiritual life. Sacred rhythms kind of as the breath of the spiritual life. What does that mean? Well, when we engage in these sacred rhythms, take the common things we, we continue alluding to. Take scripture, for example. Uh, when we come in the morning or at night or during the day, during our lunch hour, whenever our rhythm is, when we come before the Lord and we open up the scriptures, it's a way of breathing in his life into our lungs, breathing in that sustenance, feasting on his word, drawing life from him. Prayer, yoking, looking up at the Lord, locking eyes with him, being able to uh, converse with him and share with him the burdens of our lives, inviting him in to the specificity of our circumstances. It's a way of breathing in the air of eternity. And when we engage, be it reading scripture, be it prayer, be it any discipline you can think of, the spiritual disciplines, they're a means of us breathing in belovedness, realizing I'm a son, I'm a daughter. There are means of breathing in rest. There are means of breathing in peace and receiving provision of soul, the bread and water for today's journey. Rhythms help us breathe in this air of eternity, and they act as, in some ways, this breath of the spiritual life, breathing in. And yet, when we think of rhythms and our life of faith, 
it, it kind of stops there for a lot of us sometimes, where we only think of breathing in as equating with a healthy spiritual life. We only look at scripture, the disciplines of getting in the word. We look at the disciplines of going to church. We look at the disciplines of uh, whatever, these these mechanisms through which we encounter God. We kind of stop there and think that that is uh, the the entirety of the life we're called to in in consumption, right? We measure uh, consumption and the amount of our spiritual consumption with our spiritual maturity. Hey, what are you reading now? Oh, I just finished the new Brene Brown book. Oh, nice. Okay. Hey, what podcast are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to, you know, the Elevation podcast or whatever. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading scripture like five times a day, bro, a minute, like an hour a day. Not that you would brag about that. Come on, if you're bragging about that, geez. But it's like, oh, wow. Okay. An hour. Man, I, I need to get my act together. And we kind of equate in some ways spiritual health with what we're intaking and what we're ingesting and what we're consuming. And it's important to point out that in order for life to be sustained, though, We have to have both intake, the inhale, and the outtake, the exhale. And life cannot be sustained with just breathing in. (gasps) Try it for a second. Everybody, (gasps) just breathe in as much as you can. (gasps) Don't pass out. Okay, breathe out. But even our very bodies bear witness to this reality that life cannot be sustained. Healthy, vibrant life cannot be sustained just with breathing in. (gasps) And our bodies kind of serve as a profound picture of this element of the spiritual life. And, and an even more profound picture for me, this has really um, hit the trenches for me and become real with when I have a two-and-a-half-year-old at home. Because sometimes my two-and-a-half-year-old Rush, who a lot of you have met, he was just here rocking his like Carhartt beanie and his like camo pants. Yeah, baby. He's a stud. But he, there, there are some times where he's either obsessed with milk and wants milk in the morning. I think I've shared stories with you about that. Or he wants to watch Star Wars. He's on this ridiculous Star Wars cake, and it's kind of awesome. He's like, Darth Maul. He's like knocking his plate off the dinner table. Yeah, like just boy to the core. But sometimes he wants something so bad, and JC and I have to say, hey, buddy, we're not going to have that right now. And this doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes he freaks out and gets so distressed where he does the silent cry, the, you know, and he, and it's the, then it really gets bad when he starts breathing in the, we're like, rush, rush, rush. Buddy, you got to breathe. You got to breathe. Buddy, breathe. You know, and like he goes nuts. But like seeing life does not work when you just, you have to breathe, breathe out, Rush. Man, get that breath out of your lungs. Life cannot be sustained just with intake. Rhythms and a healthy spiritual life cannot be sustained just with breathing in. And just with consuming and just with intaking all that God has for us. And really, when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, this kingdom life, that's what he was all about, right? When you look at the Gospels, especially Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is this. What shall I compare the kingdom of heaven to? It's like this. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And it's, and it's this, his entire ministry, it, it's, it's as if he, he's communicating that the kingdom life has been wide open for all. That the doors of heaven have kind of been kicked in. And now there's this new invitation through his life 
to receive and to participate and to live this kingdom life under his lordship, this life of peace, this life of joy, this life of newfound identity and purpose. And this kingdom life that he both prescribes to us and models for us is one that is characterized by this constant rhythm of intake, outtake, breathing in, breathing out, inhaling, exhaling. Look at the way he lived for a second. Uh, We see him waking up early, don't we? We see him kind of sneaking out and going away while people are demanding, man, Jesus, you're crushing it right now. Your ministry is blowing up. You got to be at the spotlight all the time. You, you, miracles? Are you kidding me? You raised that dead guy the other day. Like, are you serious? Like, you, you are the man. People are all about you. He takes time. He wakes up early. He sacrifices some sleep. And what does he do? He goes, some translations say, the lonely places. He goes and he gets on a hilltop. He goes into the wilderness. He goes into these lonely places. Why? To inhale, Abba. And I can just picture Jesus in times of solitude, breathing in and saying, Abba, I belong to you. Father, I'm yours. This life is yours. And he's positioning himself. And he's, he's taking time to breathe in this air of eternity. Jesus was fully man, remember? He was fully man and he needed, just like we do, to take time and to lock eyes with the Father. And to be intentional and to have time and space for his soul to inhale. But then what does he do? He goes down out of those secret places And he goes down into the valley of the shadow of death and he's casting out demons and he's healing lepers. And he, and Rush is now saying like leopards when we're saying that's kind of fun. But, you know, like raising that he's doing all these different things out of outtake because he had been breathing in. So he goes and he gets away and then he performs miracles and he is sitting and he's supping with sinners. And he's identifying with the downcast and the downtrodden and the outcast of society. And, And he's sitting and he's giving And he's spending himself. And then what does he do? Next morning, breathing in. Abba, I belong to you. What does he teach us? Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us and encourages us. He doesn't just model it for us, but he prescribes to us. He says, when you pray, what's next? Go into your room and shut the door. And then pray to your father who is unseen. Breathe in. Go to your room, shut the door. Lock eyes with your father. And then he goes on and, and, he, and he makes it clear that we aren't to pray these really loud, arrogant prayers for the sake of others. That's the primary point. But, but another integral point is he's saying, get away, shut the door, breathe in. This life, intake, breathe in. But then a couple verses earlier in Matthew 5, the renowned passage that we know, you are the the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And he goes on to say, let your light shine before men so that they may see your what? Good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. There's intake and there's outtake. There's inhaling and there's exhaling. Jesus, this kingdom life that he lived and this kingdom life that he invites us and calls us into now and beckons us into is this life that's characterized by the rhythms consistently of breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. And so I want to propose to you this morning that the truly healthy and thriving lives of faith 
are those that live in constant, uh, in the constant flow of divine inhale and exhale. The truly healthy, think about this for a second, the truly healthy and thriving lives of faith are those that live in the constant flow of divine inhale and exhale. Think about some of the saints you know. I mean, some of the pillars of the faith that you've had the grace and the privilege to walk alongside. The common denominator, I would be so bold as to argue, is that they've lived a life that is both Intake and outtake. They're not just, oh, yeah, well, theologically speaking, let's talk about the soteriological implications of Hebrews 10. What? Like, what? No. But they extend, too. They receive and drink deep of the love of the Father, and then they give that same love out. It's the intake, and it's the outtake. The truly healthy and thriving lives of faith are those that are in this constant flow, this kingdom life that just kind of orbits around this inhaling and exhaling of divine agape love. And if I were to guess, uh, I'd say a lot of us are pretty good um, at the intake. We got the audiobooks, right? We got the podcasts. We got the holy scriptures on our phone or on our iPads or on our computers. Uh, we got online resources out the wazoo. We can go into commentaries. We can listen to messages. I mean, we have everything we need for intake, And I think a lot of us would say, yeah, I I feel good, moderately decent at least, about my level of intake. We have young adults where we come and we break bread around tables every week and we drink deep of each other's fellowship and we feast on the scriptures. We're intaking, yes, intake, intake. And that's not wrong. Absolutely not. It's an integral part of the Christian faith. But there must also be exhale or else we turn into spiritual gluttons. We just... And we intake and we intake. But what are we doing with it? And so if I were to, I would guess that a lot of us feel at least moderately okay with our level of intake. And we feel okay about how much we're consuming. But Jesus in scripture makes it clear that there must also be the exhale. There must be obedience to God and his commands. There must be sometimes laying yourself down and saying, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice what feels good and my desires to obey you, Jesus. Sometimes it requires surrender, the outtake. Oh, God, all that I am is yours. I go in the morning and I feast on you, but then I give of myself during the day. You know, there, there, there must be the outtake of extending acts of love and service to our fellow man. Jesus, in Matthew 22, when he said the two greatest commandments are what? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor is yourself. So there's this, there's this kind of twofold dimension of exhaling, this loving God spending ourselves for him. And at the same time, it's kind of intricately connected to loving our neighbor. We go and we give of ourselves and we care for the orphan and the widow, James 127. And we extend love and sacrificial giving to the needy among us like they did in Acts. And it's just this constant flow of intake and outtake. Jesus sums up this rhythm of the kingdom uh, in Matthew 10, verse 8, when he says this. He's, uh, he's, he's inviting kind of the 72. The disciples were with him, and he's gathering them, and then he's sending them out into the villages to proclaim the kingdom truth and the gospel. Uh, and so they've been receiving, 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 receiving. Uh, they've, they've seen Jesus at work. They've talked to him. They've feasted on the truths of the kingdom that he's expounded to them in the secret places. But then he's sending them out, and he says this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. 
Our charismatic souls like that, don't we? Yes, come on, woo, that's right. But then he says, he, he summarizes it. He says, freely you received, freely give. You are not spiritual gluttons here. And the world does not need spiritual gluttons. In fact, the world and broken people around you need this demonstration of the love of God that you've been drinking in in the secret place. Where when you lock eyes with the Lord on a daily basis and you feast on his love and you intake, the world needs that exhale. Exhaling the love of God. Exhaling agape. Exhaling rest. Exhaling life. And so he says, freely you've received. The Father has not withheld from you. Now out of that spirit, freely what? Give. Spend yourselves. It's inhale and it's exhale. And I would argue that, that one of the biggest things that we as the people of God need to figure out and figure out fast in this postmodern world in which we live is how to avoid bloated Christianity. I think we really need to get down to the nitty gritty and figure out how we intake and outtake, how we inhale and exhale. Because again, this postmodern world around us that is saturated with subjectivity and saturated with coldness and saturated with rejection of any uh, proposition of objective truth and this broken world around us, they need this breath of heaven that comes through the church and that's the way Christ structured it. It's we breathe in. We, we are the ones who are yoked into God's loving kindness. We're the ones that are locked into his kingdom. We're the ones that know his nature and experience his nature and know full well and, and experientially his life and his love. And we give that love and extend it to others. And it's bloated Christianity and it's bloated faith when we just... What are we going to do with it? We got the preachers that preach the paint off the walls. We got the audiobooks. We got the podcasts. We got the books on books on books and commentaries and all of this to intake. I don't think that's the problem. How do we exhale? How do we spend ourselves? How do we give of ourselves to our fellow man? And I'm not saying go pack up, be a missionary, you know, in, in South Africa. Come on, though, that would be awesome. I would pray for you, but I, I you know. Maybe some of you, but but what I'm saying is the exhale, it's so contextualized. What is God calling you to? Uh, Extending love to your fellow neighbor in your sphere of influence. What does that look like? And I think us as the people of God need to figure this out. How do we, not just us in this room, but the people of God at large, the church, the universal church, how do we not live bloated Christianity, but how do we have this divine rhythm, this kingdom life, this kingdom rhythm that Jesus was all about? The inhale and the exhale, feasting on God's love and then preparing a table before the people around us. That's what Jesus was all about. Um, I would be so bold as to argue that we are called to a more dimensional faith than this, than just intake must also be outtake. And actually, I love, love, love being here at New Life because I think, and maybe I I might be biased, but I think a lot of people would agree, I think we do this pretty well. Um, And there's always room for growth with any church, but I think we do this, we have a good rhythm of intake and outtake. We come and we feast on the scriptures. We have got some great teachers in the house of New Life Church. We got some great pastors, Brady, Daniel, Glenn. We, I mean, we got Joe Kirkendall. We got some solid expositors and pastors and teachers. And when we go to that room or when we go downtown or when we go anywhere on our congregations, we go ham in worship, don't we? 
We go for it. First Wednesday, come on, man. I mean, we go for it. We, 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 we just, you know, intake, intake, yes, yes, yes. But then what do we do? We don't stay bloated, but we go into the valley of the shadow of death where the broken people of this city are around us, and we give. We look after the single mom through Mary's home. We go, Nueva Vida, my gosh, they serve like thousands and thousands of people every single month, generously giving Christmas gifts to hundreds of families, going door to door and giving sack lunches, uh, adopting a block and doing some extraordinary acts of service in the community. You know, we give, we drink, we give, we drink, we give. And it's this constant flow of intake and outtake. And I'm not like trying to pad New Life staff or New Life uh, Church here. And I'm not trying to like promote what we're doing. But what I'm saying is, it's a, it's a big picture of what we're called to do. Drinking deep and then giving out. And though we all are here at New Life, and though we can say, yeah, we're doing that. Awesome. The church is a part of this. Awesome. We also must step back and look at our lives individually. How are we exhaling? How are we personally with the people that God has brought into our sphere of influence, extending love and kindness and the agape love of the Father to them? And so that's the question I want to wrap up with. Um, As we look practically at our lives and as you look practically at yours, the people that are in your life, the situations in which you're living, the circumstances, everything, are you exhaling? Are you giving of at least some of yourself? And it's not this legalistic thing where, oh, you got to do this and this and this and this. But it's the, it's the, the, the New Testament writers presuppose this in their writings. Man, they, they presuppose this thing of us coming together and us being the church and us and feasting on the Lord together and then going and doing something with it. James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Actually do something with it. Something's in your hands. What are you doing with it? So are you exhaling in life? Are you giving of your finances generously? Are you sitting with the broken people around you and walking them through some difficult times? Are you, are, you, are you interested in serving here at the church? Are you giving of your time, your energy, your effort? It doesn't have to look one way, but are you exhaling? Are you giving uh, to the people around you and back to God what the Father has so generously lavished upon you? Um, you know, we're called as the people of God to do both. We're called to live in this love and give of this love. Live and give. Receive and extend. And as we wrap up, uh, John puts it this way in such a beautiful way in the message translation. 1 John 4.19. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we loved. He loved us first. And you know, it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we were loved in the first place and we are positioned and postured to love. The, you know, the, the ESV says, we love because he first loved us. And it's this rhythm that we have just been grafted into as the people of God. We were loved and now we love. And the cyclical, rhythmic practice of kingdom life, living and loving. Um, so this morning, let's just, let's pause for a second. And before we jump into discussions, I just want to do some soul searching here. Just close your eyes and posture your heart. And before you check the box and say, oh, I got that. Yeah, no, that's that. Just pause. Be humble here for a second. 
and come before the Lord and search your heart with him and allow him to search your heart and plumb the depths of your soul and figure out, are you exhaling? Maybe you are a little bit, but you could give more. Maybe you're just inhaling, just receiving, receiving, and you're kind of a little bit bloated and you need to give. Maybe even you've exhaled so much that you are running on fumes and you need to inhale. What are the areas of your life that needs readjustment where you can allow the Holy Spirit and his loving grace and kindness to just reorient you, just make a little adjustment? God, here we are. And we pray the prayer of Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We are yours. We are your ownership. We are your possession. And yet, at the same time, paradoxically, we're your kids, as we talked about before. So would you have your way in our lives? Would you open up our eyes and and allow us to do the necessary soul searching to see what adjustments need to be made in our lives? As we look at the rhythms and these spiritual disciplines that you're inviting us to build into our lives, would you show us where we need to intake more and where we need to exhale more? Where are some deficiencies of soul that are uh, derived from a lack of drinking in and receiving from you? Maybe we're preoccupied. Maybe we're lethargic. Whatever it is, God, would you show us where we need to inhale and where and who and, and through what we need to exhale? Who are the people around us that we can give to? Who are the people we can spend ourselves for? What does it look like for us specifically to live generously and give generously? Because freely we have received. And we want to be the people. And would you provoke us? And would you challenge us? And would you charge us to be the people who freely give? And spend the entirety of ourselves for others. And we know that as we do this, your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because this work is done through the church and the body. So we commit ourselves. Would you search us and know us, God? See if there's any wrong or impure or evil way in us and lead us in the way everlasting, as Psalm 51 says. Have your way in our hearts, O God. Help us nuance this, make this practical and concrete as we discuss at our tables. And we pray these things in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you guys like crazy. Um, you know, I want to say something about discussions real quick. No need, don't feel the pressure to have to get through all of them. Go as conversation directs. Now try to stay in line with, you know, nuancing what we just talked about, but don't feel like you got to, okay, number one, number two, number three, but just dialogue. Live, breathe, flow with it. Uh, The Holy Spirit's going to be working in the process. So much love to you guys and bless you as you discuss. All right, go ahead. Bring those conversations to a close. Some good stuff. Um, you know, I, my heart for these past two weeks is that we would get to doing on some of this stuff. Um, you know, I want to challenge you. Don't just hear this and consume, but think on, pray on, nuance, you know, process with your friends this week. What do you do with it? Um, what rhythms do you build into your life so that you are living the kingdom life that God has called you to? All right, so let's stand. And uh, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. It's up on the screen.
We're doing sins, everybody. Sins. Not trespasses or not debts. You can say trespasses if you want, but, but please don't say debts. I theologically disagree with that. Anyway, okay, here we go. You do you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen.